Our scripture reading this morning, brothers and sisters, is from Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14. And today our message, our sermon is entitled, Dangers to Our Sanctification, this big word, antinomianism. This is the Lord's word. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. We're looking at the dangers of sanctification. In other words, the question of how is it that we grow in Jesus or what does growth look like? When we look at a tomato plant and the tomato plant grows, we expect the, the, the bud to, to, to burst through the soil. We expect it to grow upwards and not outwards. We expect the fruit that comes out of it not to be bananas or oranges or apples or pears, but ripe, juicy red tomatoes for us to eat. And we know that this tomato plant sort of doesn't look like a tomato plant. We, we, we question, do we do something wrong? Is, or is the seeds here not even tomato plant seeds? In the same way, we as Christians, as we continue to grow in the Lord, we, we need to ask ourselves, are we bearing the fruit that God intended us to bear? Are we on track and on the path that God intended us to be? We need to be watchful of our hearts and watchful of our lives in Christ. Last week, we looked at legalism. Legalism is simply taking the law of God, that which is good, that which has been paid for by Jesus himself in our justification. But the law still lives with us, not to be a burden to us, but again, the law lives with us because it reflects the very character of God. And we long to follow God and to be close to him. 
And the only way to be close to him is to obey him. The character of God, the, of the perfect God, is the perfect law. For God indeed is holy good. God indeed is holy just. God loves it when his people worship him with all his heart, soul, and mind. God is pleased when we do not steal. God is pleased when we are faithful to one another. We see God and grow in God as we cherish his law to grow closer to him. The danger we saw last year is where we separate law from, from the character of God himself and we use the law of God for our own selfish purposes. No longer using the law of God or implementing the law of God to grow closer to Jesus, but we use the law of God to justify ourselves with whatever selfish motive we may have. Perhaps like to write the Pharisees is just to say, I'm a better Christian than you. Or perhaps it's just us looking in the mirror, just saying, I, I did my good to the Lord, a good check, good job. But instead, allowing the law to show you that Jesus needed to die for it. And he loves you because he sacrificed his life for you. Gave you his righteousness, his perfection, while you gave him your unlawfulness. And at each day when you try to obey God, you do so not by your power, do you? But you do so by the grace of God himself. And you draw near to his forgiveness and his love. That's one rail that we have to be aware of, brothers and sisters. That we do not use the law against anyone else or even against ourselves. But we embrace the law in order to see the character of God in our lives. Now there's another error that happens that occurs to all of us. And this is the error of antinomianism. Antinomianism is, is it's a big fancy term, anti, against. Uh, the word nomos meaning law. So against the law. And, and this error goes something like this. I'm a sinner before the, before the Lord, but God has saved me. He saved me in my sin. Therefore, I can do anything I want. I've been saved by God. He will keep forgiving me. His grace is completely free. So I can do anything I want. We, we hear this in, in, in the Christian culture when people say, you know, once saved, always saved. Or perhaps many of you have had this experience where you've gone to a retreat or you're, you've gone to a church and, and all of a sudden they, they had this huge time where they play all of this music and they're sharing you, you with the gospel and, and your emotions get the best of you. And, and perhaps at that time, God has met you. I don't know. But perhaps you're like, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And you believe that at that moment you are safe and you might be safe. Okay. But as you live your life, 
you don't know what's going on in your face. But you say to yourself, you know what, that one moment, the pastor told me, once you receive Christ once, you're always saved. But then your life doesn't reflect a love for God's law or for a love for God himself. And the law you believe has no relevance to your Christian life today, that you can do anything that you want because you know that God will simply forgive you. Joseph, in his prayer, brought up the, the idea of cheap grace, a notion brought up by Dietrich Bonhoeffer himself, that there are Christians out there who declare the name of Jesus for themselves but do not reflect the life of Christ. So they presumed upon Jesus' love for them, not to die to themselves, but to have license to do what they want. Now, most of us here don't go to those extremes. But all of us in our walk with the Lord, we will have times where we will say, oh, I'm just a sinner. I messed up. Jesus will forgive me, and you just keep walking. This is what Paul addresses here in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 1 through 5, he teaches about justification by faith. He teaches us that all you need to do, you who are sinners to the core, is simply to believe in God. And then when you believe in God, he has justified you that you before the God in the, his courtroom are declared, not simply not guilty, but innocent and pure. Now, at this point in Romans chapter 1 through 5, nothing has changed in you. It is simply a, a, this declarative statement. You're, you're before the judge, and you know that inside you're, you're, some, you're still guilty, but because of God's grace, God has declared you innocent. You're going... Oh, who, who, me? Who, me? And so in this logical progression, he goes to Romans chapter 6, and he says to you who've been declared righteous, why are you still living as if you were a sinner? But you must live as one who has been bought at a price. Here's the theological reason behind this in Romans chapter 6. When you came to know Jesus, you were united in faith to him by the Holy Spirit. It says here, if you have been united with Jesus in his death, surely you are united with him in his resurrection as well. It is not as if Jesus simply declared you justified by faith, and left you to your own devices to figure out the rest of your Christian life. It is not as if the Spirit was only partially given to you, or it's not as if there is no Holy Spirit, and God is simply the judge who judges you, and again, you're left to your own devices to figure out this Christian life by yourself. But the Holy Spirit that has come upon you, he is not divided the Holy Spirit who's in you 
is not someone who has contrary um, goals for you or for, for God himself. God is one. God's purposes are one. The Holy Spirit is one. In other words, the same spirit who has shown you that you've died to sin, it's the same spirit that urges you and compels you towards Christ himself. God is not divided. The Holy Spirit is not divided. So you who have died to sin, how can you say, should I sin some more so that perhaps God can forgive me some more? Illogical. When you know that the Spirit who lives in you compels you to be holy and compels you to draw near to Christ himself. We as God's people, we cannot simply presume on the graciousness of God and to presume that our sins, well, God will just keep forgiving them. Because you know what happens. Think about it. If you're in a relationship with someone, if you have a good friendship with someone, let me let me make this take take this um, uh, make this really really precise. Suppose that you're in an apartment with someone, and you've agreed that everyone would just buy their own food, and you put it in the refrigerator. Shelf one belongs to you. Shelf two belongs to so-and-so. Shelf three belongs to the other roommate. And that other roommate takes your food. Takes your food. Suppose you made this, this beautiful salad or this beautiful piece of, piece of, I don't know, steak or whatever, and, and they take your food. And you being gracious, you say, it's okay. I forgive you. And the person there goes, oh, thank you. I'm so sorry. You th they give you a hug. You give them a hug. And you're just like, everything is good. It's not, not a big deal. Next week, they do it again. And they, they might ask you for forgiveness, right? They go, oh, I'm so sorry. I did it again. It won't happen. And you hug it out. Everything is good. But you know what happens to human nature after a while? If that person keeps taking your food week after week, they're going to stop asking for forgiveness. And they're going to presume that I, you will just let me walk over you. And not only that, that relationship will become really, really strained. We've all had experiences like this, where people presumed upon your grace, presumed upon your generosity. And even with amongst us as human beings, we, we understand that if people are antinomian against us, have a disregard for the law, that it will destroy that relationship. Doesn't have to be big. Those of you who are married, you understand it doesn't have to be a big thing, just be a little thing. When we walk with the Lord himself, 
And we keep presuming that God will forgive us over and over and over again. Again, the first two or three times, you might go to God and go, forgive me, Lord, I've been selfish again. I've been selfish again. Second time, okay, I've been selfish again. I've been selfish again. But then the sin just keeps coming up. This keeps coming up. And before you know it, you stop going to the Lord asking for forgiveness because you're just like, it's just the way I am. God will forgive me. Oh, well, (laughs) keep walking my life. But what happens to those of us who live this antinomian life? The more and more you pursue upon God's grace, the more and more you have contempt for God himself. And the more and more you will find yourself, well, walking away from him. This is the other danger. The first danger is using the law to justify yourself. The second one is ignoring it completely. But both of these dangers are actually the same danger and the same warning that we have. Because being legalistic, the solution isn't simply, well, let's be more relaxed about the law. And the solution to antinomianism isn't simply, oh, we've got to take the law more seriously. That's not the solution to either one. The solution to both of them is simply this, is that we need to be, whatever what happens, we need to be drawn closer and closer to Christ himself. You see, when you realize that you sin and you will always sin, you need to come to God for his grace each and every time. And you need to ask for forgiveness to the Lord and the Lord will forgive But you don't beat yourself up or you don't presume that God will will forgive you or that God will just shove you away. But you come to the Lord say, God, I keep sinning the same sin. I keep messing up. But surely in you there is forgiveness. Surely in you I trust you completely. For you have died to sin and you are, are raised with the Lord. So a conversation, if you're more antinomian with the Lord or a prayer, might be something like this. Lord, I I keep sinning the same sin. Forgive me again. Help me. Give me wisdom to, to follow you. Lord, I know that that one sin, whatever it may be, It's not enough to separate me from you. And in fact, Lord God, that one sin is nothing, nothing compared to the deep sinfulness of my heart. But surely, Lord God, you can forgive me of all my sins. Do not let this one sin, Lord God, separate me from you, from drawing close to you being near you. You are my God. And you ask the Lord, Lord, do not lead me into temptation again. Lord, I stand on your promises that there's no temptation that's not common to man, that you do not 
give us a way out. Lord, it is possible for me to follow you. It is. Help me. And in fact, brothers and sisters, whether you tend more towards antinomianism or you tend more towards legalism, that prayer works for both. For our goal in life is not to not to look at the law apart from Christ ever, but to look at the law and to see Christ in that law itself. This is how we grow as believers in the Lord himself. Secondly, or another point, when you love one another, love each other in the way that draws people to Jesus. Let me give you two examples. If you see someone who is walking away from the Lord, and they're sinning against the Lord, and you know they're doing wrong against the Lord, don't be that person and say, see, you're a sinner. What's your problem? You're walking away from God. You need to, to, you need to get your act together. You're not a good Christian. You're becoming a legalist in your counsel. And what you're doing is you're actually, think of yourself as a doorkeeper, like a priest. And behind you is God. And the person is coming to you. You can, have, you can do one or two things and say, you're elite, you failed. You have no access to Jesus. I'm not going to show you Jesus. And you can deny the person the grace that God has. Or you could say, here's our Savior. I know that you've sinned, and so have I. Let's, let's go to Jesus together. Let's confess. Let's walk with him. Surely he will forgive us. Let's embrace our Savior who loves us. And the other error is just as fine. It's like, you sinned? It's okay, we all sin. We all sin, it's okay. Just go and do what you want. Instead of saying, hey, let's, let's go to our Lord again. And let's find his forgiveness. And let's count on his power to follow him and to grow closer to him. Let's not walk away from our Lord, but let's walk towards our Lord together that we might find forgiveness and to find joy again. You see, the goal of sanctification is, is very simple. It's to know God. And here's the encouragement once again. The same spirit who saved you is the same spirit that will sanctify you. The same spirit who justify you is the same spirit that will make you holy. The same spirit that initiated the relationship 
with you and God. It's the same spirit that will nurture that relationship between you and God. He is faithful. So, brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Walk faithfully with the Lord. You have never been alone. God has always been with you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy in all things. Lord, we thank you that in many ways um, the gospel is very simple. You, Jesus, have died for our sins. You've taken on the demands of the law. And us who have failed to follow those demands, you've taken on the punishment of the law. You, Jesus, have given us your perfect righteousness, and we've given you our unrighteousness. And not only that, but your spirit has made us alive again, and has given us the love and the joy and the desire to follow you. But we know, Lord, that in this world, that we will not be perfect. But we praise you. For we know, Lord, that no man, no woman can have the desire to follow you without that spirit. And that knowledge and that relationship itself is a sign that we belong to you. It's a gift from you. It's the first fruits from you. And so we rejoice even in our wrestlings to follow you. But Lord, help us, Lord God, to keep that narrow path together. Help us not to be people of judgment and help us not to be people who are flippant as well. But may we always, Lord, Yearn, yearn, Lord, to know the forgiveness and the love of Christ. May we yearn, Lord, to help one another to find that same Christ as well. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and your love. In his name we pray. Amen.